0: One of our biggest unconscious biases is holding on to the past. How do we teach ourselves to forgive when we feel that we have been wronged by someone? Who is it that we are forgiving? The perpetrator or ourselves? This is Between Us, Stories of Unconscious Bias. I am Smitha Tharoor. Part two of my podcast interview with Robin Showhead. To remind listeners, in a previous episode, Robin told us that he's a therapist, supervisor, trainer, and author of the book he co-wrote with his wife, In Love with Supervision, Creating Transformative Conversations. In that episode, we discussed the idea of what unconscious bias meant to him. What is individual consciousness? And how does this affect all the decisions we make? This time, Robin is sharing stories of a more personal nature, his understanding of the word forgiveness and how that may affect our unconscious bias. So I'm really pleased, Robin, and I'm thrilled that you have agreed to join me for another conversation. Welcome. It's great to hear you explore your story, should I say, of unconscious bias.
1: Thank you for asking. I really enjoyed last time, so I hope we'll enjoy this one as much. I'm sure we will. I'm sure we
0: will, Robin. That's the beauty of our chatting with you. So I always want to just remind the listeners and myself of these two words, unconscious bias, to begin with, before we kind of explore further under that headline. So your understanding of just those two words, what would they mean to you?
1: I covered some of this last time. but You did, yeah. I think we are all so much more conditioned than we think and that we know. And so it's almost as if like unconscious bias is inevitable. I love Byron Katie's comment. If you want to know the truth, get an enemy. What she Mm. means is that the enemy will tell you bits that other people will collude with you about. Mm. So I think Um, it hits right to the heart of unconscious bias. It's, It's when we're uncomfortable or when we have an enemy or something bothers us, that this is an opportunity for us to inquire about our unconscious biases. Because there's only one basic unconscious bias. And that is this idea that we're separate individuals, which I looked at last time. And we're we're seeing everything through the lens of that separate individual. And so it's almost as if like unconscious bias comes with being human. And it's just a question of how much we can be willing to explore parts of ourselves that we wouldn't normally go to. But what I believe is that when we're uncomfortable, that's a wonderful opportunity to inquire about our unconscious biases.
0: That's so true, Robin. And in fact, I want to just remind the listeners or urge the listeners, should I say, to to go back to the earlier episode and find that as well after the listen to this particular conversation with you, Robin, because we explored a lot around what we mean by unconscious bias and, and there's one unconscious bias, as you said. So thank you for that. But we're talking about forgiveness and how That may affect our unconscious bias. I would love to hear some stories around that. What does that mean to you?
1: Well, I'll go back to the how I came to be working with forgiveness because it's quite a funny story. I was due to write a book on revenge with a friend, and he wouldn't write or couldn't write, and I was doing all the writing, and I got very angry with him, and I wouldn't speak to him, and he came up to me and his generosity says, I don't want to write a book with you, but I want to be your friend. And I thought this was such a generous offer that I said, "Okay," and went round to his house. And he said, you know, I really want to be your friend. And I thought to myself, the person I'm angry with, he said, yes, I've changed, but I don't feel like I'm the person that was messing you around. And I looked at him and I thought, oh, my goodness, if I'm angry with him, I'm angry with a ghost. If the person has changed, then who am I angry with? And then out of my mouth came, "Okay, let's do a conference on forgiveness, which we did, which was magnificent. But the insight was that I was angry with a ghost. If somebody has changed, then I'm angry with a ghost.
0: But the point, though, Robin, is that you're saying to me that you actually... Accepted, you know, because so many of us would have similar conversations, is what I'm thinking, where perhaps you say you're angry with me about something, and I say, Come on, Robin, you know, I've changed. Why do you believe him? Does not your anger still overtake with the emotion? Say, Come on, of course you haven't changed. I'm still angry with you. Isn't that an easier option? I'm saying
1: it's a useless option. If the person's changed, I'm wasting all my anger on somebody who doesn't exist.
0: But how do you know that he's changed, is the question I'm asking?
1: I saw it. It was quite clear. He was softer. He wasn't so tight. You know, I believed him. Why wouldn't I believe him? Right. It's like he was generous. He said he wanted to be my friend. That's an act of generosity.
0: It Uh, is, yes.
1: So why wouldn't I believe him? So when I was at school, I hated most of my school, but I remember this one quote from T.S. Eliot at the cocktail party, and I think it's relevant here because our bias, okay, I'll say it now, are, ah, but we die to each other daily. What we know of other people is only the memory of the moments during which we knew them, and they have changed since then.
0: That's you beautiful. Know? Could you just say that again? Because I think we need to hear it twice to really appreciate that, if you don't oh, mind.
1: No, all. So, are, ah, but we die to each other daily. What we know of other people is only the memory of the moments during which we knew them and they have changed since then.
0: Memory of the moment, that's what's jumping up at me. Yeah. It is literally a moment and then since then we have changed again.
1: Yes. And I love that because we're talking about unconscious bias. And one of the biggest unconscious biases is to be holding on to the past. And there's another quote. While I'm into quoting, and I I will try not to quote too much, but there's a psychoanalyst called Wilfred Bion, and he says you go into a session without memory, desire, or understanding. Without memory is just what we've been talking about—not holding on to the past. Mm
0: -hmm. Without
1: desire, I don't need you to change. And without understanding, it's an acknowledgement that I really don't understand you and never will. But so clean slate
0: is how I'm seeing it, isn't it? A completely (laughs) totally clean slate without bringing anything of yourself into the conversation
1: well it's without bringing any of my past rather than any of myself because my or
0: the future though past present or future that's what you're saying because you don't have the desire is that correct
1: yes without the past or the future
0: so be completely only in the present moment
1: yes that is what i'm saying and so the biggest Biases is that we live in the past or the future most of the time. And that's how I came to do a conference on forgiveness. And from then on, I really started to study it. And I'd seen by that time that revenge doesn't work. And one of the quotes about revenge is that it's like taking poison and expecting the other person to die, or he who plots revenge should dig two graves. And so I'd seen that re- revenge didn't work. But I was biased against forgiveness. I didn't like the word. It has kind of moral superiority. That was my bias against it because of the way Christianity in particular has taken over the concept and used it for all sorts of moral injunctions, moral superiority. And how I came to understand forgiveness was quite different. First of all, we do it for ourselves. So I had to kind of get rid of the bias that I'm doing it for somebody else. I'm doing it for myself. I don't want to be carrying around this anger inside me. It's like it's a form of taking my poison. When we're angry with anybody for a long time, I'm not talking about just in the moment, for a long, long time, we keep telling ourselves a story about what they did and we're engaging in victim consciousness. What It
0: just reminded me of something I remember hearing easily 20 years ago. Now, those of us of a certain age will remember when Nelson Mandela was freed from the jail and he was walking from, there was a long walk with his then wife, Winnie, and he walked from the jail grounds to the gate. And I think it might have been Bill Clinton who was making a speech that I heard. He asked Nelson Mandela, so you must have really hated your jailers, you know, having kept you in there for so long. And he said, I did hate them a lot when I was living in the jail. But as I walked from the jail to the gate, I told myself that I must forgive them because if I don't, I will never be free. Yes. And that, I thought, was very powerful. And that's what you're saying, aren't you? Yes. If you're doing it for yourself. So that's what he said. I want to be free, really free.
1: Exactly. And one of the biggest biases that we have is a need to be right.
0: Hmm. I'm laughing because I think. So many of our listeners will be nodding their heads and saying, Oh, god, yes, (laughs) it's about our ego, isn't it? And we all want to be right, we don't want to be wrong or wronged either. Both, yes,
1: the need to be right, I think, is one of humanity's greatest addictions.
0: Mm, That's a big sentence. What does that mean, then?
1: You knew intuitively, that's why you laughed. (laughs)
0: Yes, (laughs) well, exactly. But we all do that, though, don't we? I mean, that is an unconscious bias. But it comes down to how we see ourselves.
1: Yes, ultimately, everything does. But if you examine the need to be right, which is a bias, why do we need to be right? I would suggest that fundamentally underneath we feel wrong. Why would I need to be right? You think differently. Good luck to you. But I need to be right is because I feel somewhere I'm wrong. And the moment when I can feel right, I get a relief from that feeling of being wrong. So I think that's
0: a big one, Robert. I just want you to expand on that. I mean, I think what would really resonate with myself and the listeners is can you tell us what that means in terms of a real life story?
1: Well, okay, thank you. The next thing I'm going to do to look at this need to be right is tell you a couple of stories that will address this. Great. So there's something called Ho'oponopono, which is a Hawaiian form of forgiveness. And it consists of four sentences. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you.
0: Briefly interrupting to say that today's podcast is sponsored by Audible. If you want to know more about Ho'oponopono, there is a book called The Book of Ho'oponopono, The Hawaiian Practice of Forgiveness and Healing, by Luke Borden, Natalie Bowden lamboy and Jean Rossiette, narrated. By J. Robin Ward. You can get it for free. All you have to do for the free book and a free month subscription is to sign up to www.audibletrial.com forward slash the Associates. Other important things you need to know? Every month, members get one credit to pick any title, plus two Audible originals from a monthly selection, and access to daily news digests from the New York Times, the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. But if you're having a crazy month with no personal time or can't decide what to listen to, you can keep your credits for up to a year. It is important, though, that you do use the link that I have shared to get this free subscription. That is www.audibletrial.com forward slash Tharoor Associates.
1: Now, the beautiful thing about this is that it turns everything on its head. You stole my bicycle. I have to ask you for forgiveness because I've been gossiping and saying Sumita's a thief, you can't trust her. So you stole my bicycle. but I've been holding the grudge for years and telling people bad things about you. Which do you think is worse?
0: Well, yes, I see what you mean. It's, it's uh, saying bad things about somebody. Yes. Yeah. I know
1: you can say that I'm taking a small example of a bicycle, but I want you to get the principle.
0: I get that. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Because they're obviously when you've been killed or murdered or raped or this or that or the other. That, it's which
0: history. is giant. How do you move on from that? Exactly.
1: But let's take the principle first and then we can look at other examples. So you stole my bicycle and I've been saying bad things about you to everybody I can talk to about you. Okay. What I have to do is go, Smita, I love you. Smita, I love you because that's the basis of who we are. Love is who we are. So at some level, beyond the personality, beyond my bicycle, beyond my gossip, beyond this, beyond that, reminding ourselves that we are love. So Smita, I love you. I am sorry because I've been saying bad things about you. Please forgive me because I have not seen your true essence. I've been only looking at your behaviour. I haven't seen the soul in you, the heart in you, the love in you, the God in you, whatever words you want to use. Please forgive me, Smitha. Me thank you, because you're reminding me that I still have work to do.
0: But I'm going to be devil's advocate and respond to that, because what you're saying is powerful, but I'm going to just throw that back at you, if I may, with a slightly different story. Let's imagine, that you have killed my sibling or you personally have done something awful to my family. Yes. I do not go around saying bad things about you. Mm-hmm. I have lived through life, if this was say, I don't know, 20 years ago, mm. and the pain and suffering that you put us through. is there, yes. but I don't go around saying Robin is a XYZ, he's done this, he's done that. I don't. I yeah. try and get on with my life. I tune you out of my life. Yeah because that's the only way to live. Yes. But I don't forgive you for what you have done to my family. Okay. I don't want to say, Robin, I love you. Because when, if I look at you, I remember what you did. Okay. Because surely that's more common, isn't it? Or is it? I don't know, I'm just, I'm making up a story.
1: Okay, the reason why you do that, so the the Ho'oponopono, why I like it so much, is it turns something on its head It realizes that when I'm thinking badly of you, I'm also doing something that isn't in relationship. Now, if I would killed your brother, say, or something like that,
0: Hmm.
1: I wouldn't expect if you don't want to do that, you can still just forgive me. You don't need to go, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. You can forgive me for your sake. Both things are done for your sake, not to do with the other. When I go, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I'm not saying it to you.
0: I get that, yeah. But it's still hard, though, isn't it? When it's something as big as you've killed my brother.
1: Yeah, and then you don't do it until you're ready. In other words, I'll give you another example. And with a group of students, I played something called the victim game. And the victim game is that you get as many points as you can for being a victim, and the one who gets the most points is the winner. So, again, why I love your unconscious bias is I'm trying to turn everything on its head to reveal the bias. So this woman in her 60s shared that she had three miscarriages and the group said no points. And she said, that's outrageous. And the group said, we know you've got three healthy children and you've got at least three grandchildren. Why are you banging on about this? And she roared with laughter and she said, you're right. It's an old story. The next person said, I'm 42. I've just met a new man. He's going to be the love of my life but he's had a vasectomy and we won't be able to have children. And the group went, we're not playing. And She went, why not? And we said, it's too current. It's too strong. It's like you're not a victim. You're just dealing with it right now. The person before was a victim of something that happened 40 years ago and she had three healthy children. So there has to be a readiness to do this. It's not a moral obligation, which is why I've been so biased against forgiveness. It's become a moral obligation. You do it A when you're ready and you do it for yourself. You see the difference?
0: I do, I completely do. But then I suppose the obvious question that I'm sure the listeners are asking and I am asking is how do you know when you're ready? I mean, do you know when you're ready? Or do you just feel, okay, that was now I said 20 years ago, Mm -hmm. is when you so maybe 10 years from now, so 30 years after the incident, I feel it's about time. Is that I mean, how does one know?
1: You just suddenly feel like I've had enough of hurting myself. Because the only person you're hurting now, I could be sailing off into the sunset, not caring two hoots about you. Who are you hurting? You don't forgive me. It's only hurting yourself.
0: Hmm.
1: You see, this is what we're talking about. We're talking about unconscious bias. And I'm hitting some of your biases towards letting go. I want to hold on. It's like, Yeah, hold on if you like, but it hurts you. I'm not saying don't hold on. I'm not saying don't be angry. I'm saying there might come a point where you've said, I've had enough of doing this to myself.
0: And so really, it comes down to that, doesn't it? The whole idea of forgiveness is about being free, as Nelson Mandela so wisely put all those years ago.
1: Well, look, if anybody had a reason to be angry and hold a grudge and not forgive, it's him. Exactly. And you see, you did understand it, but then your the ego came in and found all sorts of justifications, why not to and everything. But if you you wouldn't have told me that story unless you understood completely what I was talking
0: about. Well, totally, I do. But I think also, both for the listeners' sake and mine, we have to to see the other thoughts that most of us, including me, will, will think about in terms of forgiveness. I mean, you know, is it important? You know, this whole idea of also when we think of forgiveness, we also have. Another word that's often attached to it. Forgive and forget.
1: Oh, no, that's no nonsense. You don't forget. Ah, Right. No, no, no. no, I'm not having that. And I'm not saying forgive as a moral obligation. I'm saying you do it for yourself when you're ready. Let me tell you two stories, please. Okay. so the first one is my stepson. And we've had a difficult relationship. I knew him when he was one and brought him up. And he resented me because he thought I'd taken his father's place and blah, 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 blah. We've had a very difficult time. And it got to such a pitch where I thought, I've got to do something. So I walked down the street. His name's Joe. Joe, I love you. Joe, I'm sorry. Joe, please forgive me. Joe, thank you. And I did it through gritted teeth. I didn't want to do it. But I realized that I was hurting myself. I was hurting my wife because she felt piggy in the middle. So I thought, okay, I'll just do this. And then one day we were in Scotland and coming back from a boat trip. And I heard myself say, it's over. The person that I'm angry with doesn't exist. He's just in my mind right now. He doesn't exist. What's happened is not happening now. It's in the past. So I rang him up, went for a walk. And since then, our relationship has been totally different. So I did it because I felt I had to do it, not because I wanted to do it. Not because I thought he hadn't done terrible things and he probably thinks I've done terrible things. It's over and I was ready. That's the first story.
0: The pause, I, mean, I just want to respond to, I want to hear both stories and they're so powerful. I want to kind of reflect on the, this story before we hear the next story. This is, But then from your, stepson's perspective, this is your story. Would he have agreed with what you're saying now? I don't know. Would he say that he, when he went for that walk with you and he heard you saying that, I mean, he did he also say? It? No, no, he didn't hear me say it. No, I know you said it to yourself, but you, you sound conversing with him and your relationship has no, we, changed. We didn't, So from his perspective, though, do you think he might have said it to himself? Robin, think, dad, whatever he calls you, you know, I forgive you, I love you.
1: No, he wouldn't have done that. He just responded like I responded to the person I did at the forgiveness conference when he said he'd changed. I responded to him. Joe saw my change. He saw me having a different attitude, and he was generous enough to respond. And we've never talked about the past.
0: That's beautiful. Because I know this is going to resonate with so many of the listeners, Robin. That's why I wanted to just pause and appreciate this, because, you know, what is the phrase they say that, you know, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Mm. And I'm sure there are many, many, many families around the world who, will think of their, you know, grandmother, uncle, cousin, son, whoever it might be, who, who oh my God, they have this fractious relationship with them. And, and then it's this confirmation bias and it just keeps increasing, doesn't it? Every time they meet, they reinforce the original ideas. So it's about breaking that and that comes from forgiveness. And that's so simple and so powerful. So I'm, thank you for that.
1: I didn't want to do it. I just recognised I had to because you asked a question earlier about how do you know when you were ready? I knew I had to do it, I didn't want to do it, but I had to, and actually something happened. I would call it grace, grace came in, and I just knew it was over. It was over for me, and he was generous enough to respond, it was over. And I don't think we're willing to do that hard work, we want to keep our stories going. I'm only suggesting this as a form of self-release. I'll tell you the second story. Please. Because the second story is quite funny in a different way. By the way, I want to honour Joe as my teacher. I
0: just want... Yes, to- I'm sure you do, yes, yeah,
1: really? I understand mm, that. He was a great, great teacher to me, and I really, really want to honour him. Okay, so the second story is that I'm on the tube five o'clock in the morning get going for an early train, an empty carriage virtually and this man comes and sits quite close to me and starts muttering (coughs) and he's getting louder and louder and i'm sitting there more and more uncomfortable and then he says and they take your fucking jobs and he looks across at me and i go oh do i get off the tube have i got time do i move to another carriage what am i going to do and then i remember this and i go okay he's a male aggressive I've got male aggression in me. He's carrying that part for me. And so I go silently to myself, I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you. I say it twice and he stops. Coincidence, if you want, I don't know. But I recognized he was carrying something for me, the male aggression, and that actually he was me and that was my aggression. And I had to ask for forgiveness for him carrying that for me, and he stopped. I did it silently. If he'd said it out loud, he'd have clocked me one. But I did it silently, and he stopped. You want to say it's a coincidence? That's fine.
0: I wouldn't call it funny. That's for certain.
1: Well, I meant it was funny because I was ironic, thinking...
0: funny maybe, but it's not though. Because I no. can. It's so much about. I think what you're saying, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, is so much about how much we project our own emotions and so on to people, even if they're complete strangers around us, because of what's going on within us.
1: Exactly. It was kind of harmless. It wasn't like a long standing thing. I was laughing at myself as I was doing it. I was kind of, from a moment of fear, I went to a moment of compassion to myself and to him for how much aggression we were both having to carry for whatever reason. So funny isn't the right word. It was kind of like, I was amused that that came to me and got me out of a very tricky situation. Now, I'm not a woman, and I haven't been on the receiving end. of. You could pick holes in everything
0: I say if you want to. The point is, it worked. No, but the point is, though, because if I make it a slightly different story, and you're sitting there and you're feeling this aggression, and within you, you might have either aggression within you, or fear, or both, or a combination. And, you know, people say you can actually smell it around us when we have this tension within our bodies. Yes, and of course, this complete, total stranger, opposite, would have noticed that. Yes, and therefore that would have then filled, built up further within him. Yes, exactly. Whereas, because you said to yourself, "I forgive you, I love you," and you're quite your no, body was just so, whoa, whoa, so chilled, so relaxed.
1: Whoa, 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 wait, I don't say I forgive you. That's really important. I ah. said, "Please forgive me." Me, right? Oh, listen, you get it completely wrong if you don't get the sentences right. That is correct. You. Thank you for interrupting. Yeah. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Not I forgive you, because that implies he's done something wrong. Please forgive me for not seeing your essence and having bad feelings about you.
0: You. That's so imp- that is the power of that. That is the crucial point. And yes, so you're absolutely right. And that's the thing that we have to remember. And then obviously he realized he felt instinctively that you were relaxed. And so there was no point for him getting worked up around me. Yes.
1: But I recognised that he was carrying some of my male aggression. That actually he was me. Have I lost you?
0: No. I have. You No, no, no. I'm just thinking how simple the story is and yet how incredibly powerful it is. Yeah. I'm just thinking, (laughs) which is why they silenced my end. I'm
1: not used to your silence. (laughs) So can you see how this fits in with your unconscious bias? We have so many biases about forgiveness, about letting go and so on. It's only because I went into revenge really thoroughly that I saw how completely useless it was. And that actually, we forgive for ourselves when we're ready.
0: Yes, I have nothing more to respond to that because it is very powerful. Do you have another story? May I dare I ask to reinforce the point?
1: Well, I have stories. I mean, I probably think of others around me, but now anyone I have difficulty with, I walk around going, I love you, I'm sorry, please forgive me, thank you. I do it to myself. And the beauty of this is you can do it when you're walking down the street and it's got nothing to do with the other. This is all about forgiving ourselves for our misperceptions, for holding on to things.
0: Now, this is the power, sorry. I just really, really, really want for all of us To appreciate that you're not sitting in front of that human being and saying, no, I love you. Please forgive me. It is not about that. You're walking by yourself, but you have got your mind thinking about that person yes, and you are speaking to yourself and you're entirely alone. Yes. And you are working with who you are and your connection with that individual. That's really, really, really important for all of us to take away from this. Sure. Absolutely.
1: If we think about forgiving another. I think the Nelson Mandela story was just you just got it spot on in the first five minutes. It was just about he did it for himself. We're repeating ourselves. But if anyone had a cause to be angry, it would be him. And he understood he just freed himself. And I do not yes. we want to free ourselves. We want to be and we we'll go back to something that was really important that I said earlier. We want to feel in the right. If I can feel I've been harmed, yeah, I have a moment of I can feel like I'm justified, my anger is justified, I feel in the right, I feel like self-righteous, it gives me a kind of energy. And I think we can get addicted to that energy of the victim consciousness. And I'm not saying there aren't some victims, I'm not saying that. I'm talking about victim consciousness as opposed to this happened to me, it was awful, got PTSD, I'm in a state. I'm talking about when we build our identity around the victim, I'm not talking about bad things haven't happened to people. I wouldn't want to. So be the,
0: I am who I am because of what you did to me. Yes. That is, what is your calling is victim consciousness. So yes. everything about who I am, or most things about who I am, is so defined because yes. of that one experience that I had with you 35 years ago or whenever. Yes. or even five years ago, even three years ago.
1: Or even, yeah, whenever, it's saying, I don't want to be defined by the past. The past has hurt me and it's traumatised me, but I don't want to be defined by it. That's the important distinction. It's not saying that bad things haven't happened. It's not saying we shouldn't be upset. It's saying, I don't want to be defined by it.
0: That's very, very, very important. Exactly. I could talk forever, but I think we should pause. Okay. Because there's so much that we need to take away. I mean, could you repeat that sentence again for us to close on the Hawaiian sentence? And could you also give us all some advice on whether there's something else that we can do to further understand this idea of forgiveness? Can we read something? Where can we go to explore further and understand and own this idea of forgiving myself?
1: Okay. Well, the the four sentences are X i love you because love is basically the truth whatever the person's done x i'm sorry because i've been having negative thoughts about you and that increases the pollution in the world my negative thinking adds to the pollution in the world actually i've written an article a chapter in a book called how green is your mind and i'm saying imagine you're a car and your brain mind is the exhaust pipe and every time you have a negative thought you're polluting the planet (laughs) i love it so x i'm sorry because i'm polluting the planet by my negative thinking x please forgive me for not seeing who you really are and in not seeing who you really are i'm not seeing who i really am either i'm choosing to listen to the ego mind which is full of hate and revenge Judgment and fear, and whatever. So it's not only please forgive me to X, but it's please forgive me to myself and being less than who I really am. And X, thank you for giving me this opportunity to examine my mind and my ego and go beyond it. I love you. I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Thank you.
0: I think on that note, we will stop. Thank you, Robin. Robin Showhead, this has been extremely powerful because it is such a simple story, for want of a better word, on how we can grow as human beings. Mm. Robin, thank you so very much.
1: Well, thank you, because I think unconscious bias, you've got to the whole root of humanity. It's just like, I think you've got hold of something really important is what I'm saying.
0: I know. Thank you. And I love the fact that I, I can have speakers like you for the, for the world to hear and to appreciate and to learn from. Yeah. So thank you so much. Thanks. Thank you so much for listening. I have been told that this podcast is ranked in the top three percent globally and heard by people in ninety eight countries. Thank you, listener, wherever you are. Whether it's Albania, Afghanistan, Nigeria or Nepal, Sweden or Saudi Arabia, we could not have this podcast without you, the listener. As always, if you like this episode, please do share. I would also like to thank Jack Godfrey for his original music for Season 6.